Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show with your host, Apostle Rosalind Solomon. Every Tuesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, come learn the mystery of God and be blessed in Jesus' name. This is not an ad. It's an invitation. Join Minister Rosalind Solomon each week on the new podcast, The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show. She talks about spiritual wellness and other inspirational subjects that will brighten up your day. Hey, and while you're at it, make sure you add her music to your playlist. Inspirational music by Rosalind Solomon and The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show, Food for the Soul. Music and podcast now available on Spotify. Good evening and welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show. This is your host, Rosalind Solomon, Apostle Rosalind Solomon, and today is March 5th, 2019, and I've been on hiatus again for about two and a half months. I do that sometime with the radio show. As you know, I have a lot of different other media, so sometimes I pull back a little from one of them. Okay, so tonight's show is uh, on astrology, on horoscope signs. And, I'm, you know, some of the stuff that I'm going to teach you, you may have already heard it before. Uh, so we're going to just get into the teaching, and uh, I pray that it will help you and edify you and deliver you, and you can pass it on to others in Yeshua's name. Now, I'm going to read you Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 13, there shall not be found among you anyone that make up his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that use of divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necrosner for all that do these things or an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doeth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. That's Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 13. Now, I'm going to tell you something about pharmacia real quick, because and, and, and the Lord wanted me to mention this, and then we're going to go into the horoscope stuff. Okay, most people know that the word pharmacia Actually, it's called pharma, which is a Greek word, and when you say it in English, it's pharmacia, but it also um, means witchcraft. And the reason why pharmacia means witchcraft is because back in biblical days, uh, in ancient days, before they had, like, medicine that we take, like pills and uh, creams and topics and liquid forms, they had medicine doctors, which were voodoo doctors, which which witch doctors, uh, yaya men, they call some of them yaya men, and, and um, um, a lot of the Yorba witch, uh, witchcraft and Yorba medicine doctors and um, uh, Orja, you know, so many different things, right? And they would be like the elders of the villages, like in foreign lands, like Africa, different places like that, or elders in the you know, village where the Israelites were, and the Hivites, Moabites, Edomites, and all of that, right? And so when people would get sick, you know, um, 
a lot of times even some of the, the Israelites would go to these people and get their herbal remedies, right? And it would, you know, if they were sick, you know, they would go to these witch doctors and get these herbal remedies, and these remedies would actually heal these people, right? So the reason why pharmacia is witchcraft is because medicine actually started through witchcraft. Yes, medicine started through witchcraft. This is why pharmacia means witchcraft, because there was no such thing as medicine back in our ancestors' day. All they had was witch doctors. That's what they called them, witch doctors, uh, uh, yaya doctors, you know, uh, oja doctors, voodoo doctors, juju doctors, witch, witch, uh, what did they call them, uh, witch doctors. And they were the ones that would make these herbs up and make it medicine. And they actually would call it medicine, but they called it herbal medicine, medicine which we have today. We have herbalists on the earth today. This is why you got to be very careful when you go to an herbalist because if they're not Christian, you need to run. Because <laughs> if they're not Christian and they're, and, they're, and they're just practicing herbalism and they don't have no religion or they have a religion and it's outside of being an Elohim child of God, you better run because anything that you take from them most likely got demons in it, you know, because back in our ancestors' day, all they had was herbs. In Babylonian days, they used herbs. You know, that's all they had was herbs to heal people. You know, I remember back in 2014, 2015, a whole bunch of herbal doctors got killed, about 50 of them. They kept finding them dead, shooting themselves, hanging, whatever. And um, they had came up with cures for cancer and everything, and they killed them off, killed them off. Because you got to understand something. Medicine was not here when our ancestors was here. These pills we take today, the liquid we take today, the topic creams we take today, you know, all of these things that they give you when you get sick, antibiotics, you know, cancer treatment, whatever, heart pills, whatever, they did not have this thing, this stuff, when our ancestors was here. And the same illnesses that we have in this world today they had at that time, it just wasn't as rampant in their days as it is in ours because in their days they took better care of themselves, they weren't obese, they ate of the land because they were people of the land. You know, they didn't eat pork. You know, the Israelites didn't, didn't eat pork. You know, they didn't even eat a lot of beef. You know, they ate a lot of lamb and quail and chicken. You know, um, I don't even think it was too much turkey back then, right? And they ate a lot of vegetables and they made a lot of bread. You know, I call it pita bread because that's what it looked like. And, you know, so they lived off the land. So they were natural eaters. A natural eater is someone who eats off the land. Like you grow your own food. You grow your own vegetables. You know, if you want to add some meat to it, you can. You know, but you grow your own vegetables or you have a farm and you raise your own cattle, you know, because it's a certain way to kill beef. I mean, to kill a cow, you just can't kill a cow. It has to be a certain way to kill a cow, right? It has to be a certain way to kill even a pig, you know. But some people, you know, live off the land. They raise their chickens, their hens, their quails, you know, and they live off the land. So our ancestors were people who lived off the land. So they didn't have all this processed food like we have in our world today. So the sickness that we deal with in today's world was not as rampant. Even mental health was not as rampant as it is today because they didn't have so much things back in their days that stressed them and frustrated them and so much different stuff. So um, the Lord wanted me to let everybody know, and I asked God, I was like, well, what about medicine we take now? Is that a sin against you? Like if we get sick, 
and we have to take this medicine. He told me no. He said the only medicine, and and I cracked up when he said it. He said the only medicine is a sin against me is hemp oil. He said the hemp, not hemp oil. He said the hemp herb, hemp, H, um, I I think it's H-I-M-P, hemp herb. And he said, um, what you people call weed. <laughs> and I was like, marijuana? And he's like, yeah. And then there's a couple of um, other things he said, but I can't remember them. They make you have hallucinations. It's like these other type of herbs people take, and they make you have hallucinations. They can even make you astral project out of your body, and you can see things in the spirit realm. He said, those are the kind of drugs that is a sin against him. You know? So, Technically, the herbs that are on this earth, God gave us them to heal us so we wouldn't have to take this man-made medicine. Because if you read the after effects of a lot of these man-made medicines, like if you, like I used to work in mental health, right, and, and people who would take something like lithium, I don't even know if lithium is still around, right, but it would make you like a zombie, it would make you slow, it would slur speech, and it had properties in it that could make you make you want to commit suicide. And there's a lot of other mental medication out here that has the same properties and worse, right? And I'm like, what's the purpose of taking the medicine? If it's going to give you suicidal tendencies anyway, that's what you're trying to get away from. You know, so we as human beings should already know that the medicine that they have on this earth today, topic creams and ointments and pills and liquid, it's not what God intended for us to have. We were supposed to be able to be healed by his hand by having faith and using the herbs that he has uh, created and grows out of the earth, you know. Uh, but every time a herbalist comes around that has a cure, something happens to him, you know. And you just can't go and use herbs. you got to be educated on herbs to, to use it for healing because some herbs are dangerous, some herbs are toxic. And if you mix the wrong herbs together, you can kill yourself. So if you're not properly taught on how to take herbs to heal yourself, I wouldn't mess with them unless you go to an herbalologist or you go to an herbalologist school that could teach you about this and then you'd be able to come up with remedies to heal things that go wrong with you. A lot of the Israelites, a lot of the black Israelites who are on this earth today, the serious-minded black Israelites, they grow their own food, they live off the land, and they also grow their own herbs, and many of them are herbalologists. So the Lord wanted me to tell you that. So now let's just get back to the horoscope. Now, do you know what witchcraft is? Witchcraft is seeking help or guidance from any spiritual source other than God and I himself. There are only two sources of spiritual power, God and when I say God, I say the Rock and the Holy Spirit, and Yeshua. That's the one and the same. And you got Lucifer, Satan. It's two different entities there. Satan is different from Lucifer. This is why Lucifer's name is only mentioned one time in any Bible you can find on this earth, and that's Isaiah 14. Okay? Lucifer is over Satan. Trust me. I taught this on YouTube. Don't think I'm crazy. I know what I'm saying, and God confirmed it to me. They're two different entities. Lucifer rules Satan. But they both have, you know, a lot of power. So when I when I say Satan, I'm including Lucifer too, and I'm including their entire kingdom. Then you got the idol kingdom. Then you got the Antichrist kingdom. There's an Antichrist kingdom, and then there's an idol kingdom where the idols come from. When uh, Solomon was around, twenty five more idols were created in his day, right? 
And then you have, you know, the the you you have the the Antichrist kingdom, the idol kingdom. And then you have the other four kingdoms of the enemy, which is the neither world, which is under the ground, right? And you like, how do we have a neither world under the ground? Easy, Shoel's under the water. That's where the neither world is, under the water, okay? They say it got the marine kingdom under the water. Then he has the wilderness kingdom, and within the wilderness kingdom, there's the forest kingdom. And then he's supposedly ruling the second heaven, but God is starting to show me that Satan really does not rule the second heaven at all. He has access to it, but he doesn't rule it. He's ruling the third heaven, which is us, the sky. God considers our earthly God to be the third heaven because it sits just under the firmament. And if you go through our heavenly skies, you're going to see the gate. It's only one way into heaven, y'all. I've even seen it spiritually myself. It's only one way into heaven, and God says that. It's Yah, okay? But Yah is at the gate, and there's only one gate from this earth. It's only one portal. Now, mind you, to the left of this earth, there are three portals. They're, they're called windows, and they're called open door portals. There's three to the left of this earth because God showed me, right? There's none to the, to, the, to the right of the earth. And then you got that one big gate that when people die, whatever, whatever, you know. And when Satan goes up to accuse us, that's the way he has to go, right? And so when the angels come after people die and and they slated for heaven and wherever you know in the heavenlies, God sends his angels and they come and God has to put that dragon Leviathan to sleep because right now he's dominating the firmament. So God has to put him to sleep because if not, he'll try and steal that spirit and God will have to go to war with him. So it's only one way to heaven, right? And that sits right on top of the sky, right on top of our sky in the middle of the earth. You go through the sky, and then you go through the second heaven. There's two parts of the second heaven, to the right and to the left. And then you're up in where God, up into the, the, the heavens, and then the next heaven is where God sits, right? So God showed me Satan doesn't really rule the second heaven. He just has access to it. He rules the third heaven, which is us, which is our sky. And many people don't understand that, right? So our sky is one of Satan's kingdoms because our sky is the third heaven. So that's his fourth kingdom, which is our sky, not the heaven above our kingdom, because there's a heaven above our kingdom. There's a heaven above our skies. You know, there's the firmament, then there's a heaven to the right, to the left, then there's another heaven, then there's the heaven where God himself sits, right? So all this time we we thinking Satan ruling the, the heaven that's above God's two heavens. No, nah, he's ruling the sky. But he has access to the second heaven. Why does he have access? Because he has access to the universe. He has access to go to other planets. He has access to go to other worlds. But there are some planets out there that he can't even get on because they won't let him on. They have a system. Every time he comes to try and penetrate them, he cannot. See, he penetrated us because we have a dome. We're a flat earth. He has penetrated us, there's a hole in the dome because God showed me that, and I have a video on YouTube about that, and this is how you see these aliens and stuff getting in, but would you believe me if I told you there's aliens growing up on this earth with us? They're underground. They're underground, 
and they hide in our heavenly skies. See, there's more to our heavenly skies than meet the eye. More, it's more to it's more to our skies than just clouds and the beautiful blueness. You have aliens hiding, living right up in our skies. They're living right under the earth, under the ground. They're living in our Antarctica. They, 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 their home is here, and we think they're coming from another world. I mean, granted, there probably is some coming from other places, but the majority of them are right here under the earth and already up living in the sky. Shocking. Okay, so now, witchcraft is seeking help or guidance from any spiritual source other than God, Yahweh. There are only two sources of spiritual power, like I told y'all. Ultimately, there's only one source of power because the only power Lucifer and Satan have is that which God has already given them. Read Luke 4, 6. It tells you they only have power because God gave it to them. So the ultimate power is God himself, you know. Um, if it's not the power of God's Holy Spirit, Ruach then you are dealing with Satan, Lucifer, or his 72 high principality devils and whatever else he has. It's as simple as that. Now, anything you hear someone using the words like spirit or spiritual without mentioning Yeshua, Jesus, or the Bible, run as fast as you can. <laughs> now, Satan, Lucifer, is a spirit, just as God is a spirit. Our battle in this life, according to the Bible, or ultimately against Satan, Lucifer, Ephesians six twelve. Now, Lucifer, Satan, works inside people's hearts to lead them to do horrible things, Lucifer Satan can't make anyone do anything, but he inspires them with the evil to the point where they do his bidding and his will without any hesitation or thinking about it. Now, all forms of horoscope, tarot cards, psychic, palm reading, fortune telling, crystal balls, uju boards, astrology, worshiping or contacting the dead, spirit guide, I mean, we do have spirit guides that comes from God, and I need to tell you, everything with the, the witches and Satan and them do, it comes from it's all God already made. So we do have spirit guides, and we, we have spirit guides, and your spirit guide is a person, like you hear, you hear a small, still voice, and you think it's the Lord or Yeshua, the Holy Spirit. It could be your, your, your spirit guide, but it's still God because God is speaking through them. You know, and so we as souls and spirits, we have a spirit guide that guides us through life. Seriously, and uh, Satan and them to hijack that. So now people think, you know, oh, if you say spirit God, that's you, you the demon, you're the devil. Now they took it from us, just like chakras. We all got chakras in our body. We got quite a bit of them. We got seven main chakras in our body, but because the devil done hijacked that, nobody wants, you know, to learn about what their body has, you know. Everybody's like, oh, I ain't messing with no chakras, that's the devil. Okay, if you mess with the chakras the wrong way, yeah, you're going to open up your penile gland and yourself to the devil. But it's good to learn about the chakras because you get to know how your body functions. I have an e-book. It was a printed book, but it's an e-book on Amazon called Notes on How to Get to Heaven. And I have a small, nice little teaching that gets to the point with some nuggets in it about your seven main chakras. And I even have a prayer in it that the Holy Spirit gave me to get the people to get their chakra wheels running the right way. Because we have demons, you know, you know, demons come in your body, they make your will stop or run the wrong way. And although the demons can be cast out, the wills still have to be prayed over again. So there's a prayer and there's a huge repentance prayer 
in there as well that goes with it. So you might want to check that book out. It's called uh, Notes on How to Get to Heaven, Notes on How to Get to Heaven by Rosalind Solomon on Amazon.com. Now, sorcery is an interesting word in the Bible. It is derivative from the same Hebrew word that our word pharmacy Today comes from now. Hence, sorcery is the use of drugs, as I told you earlier, as a medium to contact the demonic world. If you've ever spoken with someone who was a serious drug addict, they can tell you of the demonic experiences they had while high on drugs. Yes, they have people who are on any kind of drugs. Like I just told you, they have serious demonic experiences and nightmares and dreams, and they can really see entities. This is how you know drugs are of the devil. Now, listen to this. These things which may seem harmless to you have completely destroyed so many people's lives. People have invested their lives, life savings into certain financial investments based upon what some astrologer said to them or some psychic, you know, um, they, 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 you know, they put ads on TV, you know, call this 900 hotline, you know, they have it on the radio show. They even, you know, have things about calling this psychic line to get help or call to get your horoscope done. You know, you go into these bodegas, botanicas, they got the candles, cards. You can even buy a star, put your name on it, all kinds of stuff, you know, that you could do. If you knew how many people base their entire lives on on horoscope, I used to be into horoscope. Now, the day would go by where I would not read a horoscope, for real. And then some of that stuff that the horoscope said would come to pass, that would make me think it was a horoscope. But, you know, it was a horoscope. It was Satan's prothetic horoscope word over my life. Oh, God. I, when I thought that I had to repent. Now, even if it seems to be accurate, like sometimes it is, it is still evil and satanic. See, Satan is the bear, he used to be the bearer of light. Son of God, he wasn't no angel, he's a bear of light, son of God. Like, yeah, you know, he just went bad. <laughs> Why do you think God made Abel and Cain good and bad? He bases it off his two thugs, you know what I'm saying? All right, so now, and it's why Yeshua had to stop us, because the other son, he decided to, 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 he got Adam and Eve to do whatever they did, you know, and they fell and they became dead, like him, you know? So he had to send his other son, who was life and had light, and come and be a human, shed human blood for humans so we can live not just in the spirit, but in the physical. Now, it is never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do right. It's wrong for, like, you know, for the police to consult with psychics because police do. You will hear about these police going to psychics trying to, you know, uh, find out information, to find a missing child and everything. They don't come to the, the, the children of God to pray about it. They go to psychics. I mean, it's ridiculous. They go to psychics. Okay, now, God is very serious about this stuff that I'm telling you, and so should you be. And he made his son pass through the fire and observe times and use enchantment and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards, he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Second Kings. These things are wicked. Astrology and psychics. To observe the cycles of the moon and the stars as a form of religion is sinful. 
Islamic Muslims pray five times daily corresponding with the cycle of the moon. Ever notice the moon symbol that is too cherished by the Muslims? It is the symbol of the moon god, which is exactly what the Islamic Muslim religion started back in 800 A.D. under the moon god Muhammad. It is a false religion. They And a lot of them who, who are in Islam, they know this. And a lot of them don't. And they really think they're following the one true God. And they're not. Following the moon god and moon goddess. Now, um, thou art weary in the multitude of the day council. Let now the astrologers, the, the uh, stargazers, the monthly um, notioners stand up and say thee from these things that shall come upon thee. That's Isaiah 47:13. These evils are all alive and well today. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the sun of Haman. Also, he observed times and used enchantment and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit. And with wizards, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Second Chronicles 33:6. When you indulge in these psychics and horoscopes, you're indulging in devils and the devil's doctrine. Now, hell is the place of the future punishment for people for a temporal time. Uh, this was originally the Valley of the Son of Haman, located south south of the true Jerusalem, where the fifth, filth and dead animals of the city were cast out and burnt. A fifth symbol of the wicked and their future destruction, it was the city's garbage dump. Unbelievably, the Moloch religion required parents to sacrifice their children upon the fiery arms of Moloch. This was no no doubt a form of abortion. Today's parents sacrifice their children to, to through the surgical ways that rip their bodies painfully apart piece by piece until life is gone. So see, Satan had the Israelites and the Moabites because you know Israelites followed the Moabites religious for some time. Um, he had them committing abortion by putting them in the belly lap fire of Lamolech. And they would literally die in pain, woke, right? When you take a baby out of the womb, the baby can feel it because once it's con- any, it once the day, the baby is accepted in the womb, God to God, it's a lot. One day, it's a lot, right? So that baby, um, you you can't even get an abortion until I think you're like what four weeks now, six weeks now. I know that's not law, but I'm saying you can't even detect if you're pregnant. Three, four to eight weeks, right? So by that time, the baby, you know, is getting fully developed. And when you, when a person has an abortion and they yank those babies out of there and rip them out like that, they feel the pain like the children did burning in Moloch. Now they got this new abortion thing. You to abort the baby. You and the baby daddy get in an argument and want to get divorced. You decide you don't want the baby now because y'all ain't gonna be together. And you can tell the doctor you 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 don't want the baby. And it's time for you to have a baby. And the doctor stick the needle in the baby and give the baby a spontaneous heart attack. Are you serious? And then some babies still live and they'll come out and then it'll be up to the mother if they want the doctor to resuscitate the child or kill the child. Isn't that like Moloch? Parents was throwing the babies in the fire, letting them feel the pain. Parents is throwing the babies in, into a suction machine that's sucking the baby and ripping them out. And they feel all kinds of pain. And they're throwing them back in the fire. It is, it's just the abortions today are just an uh, emulation of what they did in the Moloch days. Except for it's worse now. 
All you're doing is sacrificing your baby to Moloch. See, Satan is Moloch. Satan, although Moloch is an entity God on his own, but Satan rules over it. Lucifer rules over it. So when you have an abortion, that's where your baby's going to Moloch. And Moloch is one of the rulers in the marine kingdom and the water. So this is why babies go to the water and they turn them into demons and they come back and they haunt the crap out of the parents. Or the people go to the fetish priest because their wound is blocked and he goes to the di- the deity that's over that barren wound and appeases it with whatever it wants, and then that deity tells its demon move out of the wound. And then she gets pregnant, but she gets pregnant from a baby from the Marine Kingdom, which is a demon baby. And the baby ruins their life financially in all kinds of ways. And these babies cannot be redeemed by God. All forms of horoscope, tarot cards, psychic palm reading, fortune telling, crystal balls, Ojibwe, astrology, worshiping, or contacting the dead, or trying to contact this and that, and sorceries are all of Satan, Lucifer. This includes the um, the uh, veneration, which is worshiping of the dead. The Catholic Church worships statues of former so-called saints. That's a part of uh, necrosity as well. You know, the Catholic Church teaches people to pray to dead saints. That's evil. A statue over your grave cannot pray for you. You cannot pray a person out of hell. They're going to come out of there when God say they come out of there. And there is no such place as purgatory. Praying to statues of any size is an idolatry. Worshiping any other god is a sin. Yeshua and the Ruach and the Holy Spirit are the only ones we should be worshiping. And I'm going to tell you where they get this word purgatory from. There is something called this, God called it the, the space, it's called the space wilderness. It's in the book that I uh, published called uh, The Secret True Life Book of the Bible, which is on Amazon as well. Uh, one second, what did I do with that? Okay. And uh, in there, God calls this place, it's in the spiritual realm, Called the spiritual wilderness, and he calls it space, the space spiritual wilderness. And this is people who died and and they they came to God, you know, on their deathbed, but they didn't have enough um, merits and they didn't they didn't make it up the levels to get to God. So they have to spend time in this space wilderness. And then they revert back to God, make a new contract with him, new negotiation, new covenant, and they're reborn again. And the saints are slated for hellfire. They come out and they wind up in this space wilderness for some time, and then they go back to God and they renegotiate the covenant and the contract, and they come back here too. And then you have some who make it up the levels, but they don't make it totally up to the level to the bosom of God, and they and they have different, God has different parts of heaven where these people go, and they get retrained again. Yeshua retrains them. The angels retrain them. They get new gifts. They can pick if they want to be a pianist, music. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. And um, they can stay in these places as long as they want until Yah comes to them and tell them it's time for them to go back. Some of them even get to pick their parents where they're going to go. Uh, some of them who had a lot of bad karma in their past lives, they can decide to come back as a quadriplegic. They can decide to come back as a person that has some type of disease. They can decide.
decide to come back as someone that doesn't have legs or arms because when they do these kind of things, it speeds up their time because they may have a lot of karma. So if they come back with these type of sicknesses and disabilities, it can wipe their karma out if they decide to live that way. I know it's very hard to understand, but this is what God has explained to me. If they decide to live that way like a quadriplegic or mentally ill person, like um, schizophrenia, things like that. Although these things, you know, these demons are of the end, these things are the enemy for schizophrenia, you can choose to come back as a person with a disability and it will wipe your karma away once you are finished on this earth and you go back to God. And then you have some people, they are at a such low level because when we come into this earth, we come as a group. We don't we don't just come by ourselves. We come in our mom's womb by ourselves if you're not a twin or a triplet or whatever. But there's a, a certain amount of souls that come into the earth at the same time, and we are grouped to certain groups. And some of them are at such a low level from their past life, they haven't even got past level one, and you've already made it up most of the levels or all the levels. God can ask you to come back for them to help rise them up faster. And you could decide to come back as a disabilitated person, live 20, 30 years, and it can help bring your lower level ones who are so far below, they can never make it. But because of what you did, it brought them up levels. Because we come as a group, souls as a group. We are connected together. And we had decided before we came here we would help each other and work with each other and help each other make it up the levels, although we don't remember it. And I know you're like, this chick is talking crazy. No, not. <laughs> pray. That's all I, can, all I can tell you is pray and ask God, is what this woman saying is true? And he will, he, he will confirm it because he has done it with many. <laughs> He's done it with many. And the, in the book called The Secret True Life of the Bible, I did not write the book. It was written in the 1800s, and copyrights have expired on it. And I just fixed it and made it look pretty and fixed it really nice, edited some things, and put it out there. And it's changed a lot of people's lives. And it's on Amazon.com by Apostle Rosa Solomon. It's a brown and beige book. It's called Secret True Life Book of the Bible. Okay? Now, also, you can read Deuteronomy 17, too, about the... Uh, Astrology and um, Isaiah 47 too. Um, that'll tell you about how the Babylons were into it and the sorcery. You know, um, Daniel's 2:27 talks about soothsayers and astrologers and magicians. Because remember, when Daniel was captured, uh, the king of Babylon he had that's all he had was soothsayers and magicians, and they couldn't tell him nothing. But Daniel could. <laughs> Why could no soothsayers and magicians answer the question about King Nezekiah's dream? I'm going to tell you why. And it's going to tell you that your God is totally in control. He blinded the minds of those astrologers and soothsayers and divinators and magicians to the point where they could not even think of what that dream meant. Because he wanted Daniel to answer it to show he is the one who is most powerful. And he knew that King Nezekiah was going to come to him. I was like, whoa, Dad, you know you is something. <laughs> okay, so real quick, I'm going to go over the astrology signs, all right? Now, Pisces, I think that's the month of February into March. That's two fishes going separate ways, right? You claiming you're a Pisces, you claiming you're crazy. 
Because <laughs> that's what the fish is mean. They go in two different ways. They go in opposite ways. They're confused. They're off balance. Their emotions is just totally out of whack. They don't know which way is up. They don't know which way to go. And if you are claiming to be a Pisces and you're very emotional, very sensitive, you got mental issues, you got a nervous problem, it also give you um it also can give you gastration problems. Um, it can give you nervous problems. It can give you stomach problems. Um, claiming to be this Pisces, it could give you nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns, stress, frustration, and confusion. So stop claiming you're a Pisces because you are adopting these demons that's over this astrology sign called Pisces. These astrology signs are the devil. God used astrologers back in the day to look at the stars to know the time and know the weather. He didn't use the stars to say, okay, this one born is a Gemini, this one born is a Pisces. No, he didn't do that. That's on the devil, okay? The next one is Aries. The Aries people, they can be very arrogant, violent. You know, this is part of this astrology thing. Arrogant, violent, they fight a lot. They have a very destructive nature. They're very bullheaded. That's the demon that's over them, the bull. Um, they're very, they, they can, they, this demon is a player spirit, like a cheating spirit. It can cause the person who's claiming to be an Aries to be a cheater, um, not just with, with, with the opposite sex, but with most things. Um, and this person that claims to be an Aries, this demon will give you heart problems and, um, make you desolate. Uh, I'm not going in chronological order here. So Taurus. That is a bullhead demon over that one, and that will make you stiff neck, violent, very violent, have very serious, jealous spirit. And that is the demon that's over Taurus, the bullhead. And the Aries has the bull, okay? Uh, what's um, Gemini, that's, that's two souls. If you claim it to be a Gemini, you you are claiming to have two souls when you only have one. But you are claiming to have two souls if you're a Gemini because Gemini is a dual, dual species. Those are demons. Like Incubus, Succubus, they're, they're dual infantile demons. So the Succubus could be an Incubus and the Incubus could be a Succubus, and that's how it is a Gemini. It's two, two dual beings. You have two souls in you. This is why you adapt. Two personalities if you pick up this sign, Gemini, because uh, that's what Geminis are known for. They have two different personalities, and you actually do because you have two different demon souls in your body. So you better stop calling yourself that, Gemini. Um, uh, the next one is Cancer. Uh, the Cancer astrology spirit uh, actually carries is actually carries the sickness of cancer. You can actually get cancer calling yourself a cancer. You have stomach problems. You have the crab spirit in you. It will cause you to move very slow, cause you to be very shy, timid, um, introverted, um, slowness, cruel, um, and it can also cause you to be a trail a trail person, like never a leader, a trail. And it can also make your life 
be nothing. You can accomplish nothing. You could go to school. You could do what you want to do, graduate, and you'll do good for a minute. But in the end of your life, you wind up dying with nothing, nothing, if you want to call yourself a cancer. Leo is a self-righteous demon, very demanding, controlling, hard to get along with others, stronghold demons it also has. Um, it has a life of lust. Anyone calls of Leo. Uh, it's the spirit of inferiority, and the body will always have back pains. With the cancer, you'll always have problems with your stomach. And the Pisces already told you that. The Gemini, you'll just always have two dual souls in you, meaning you will never be able to be balancing your mind and your thinking and your thoughts. You'll always be changing up wishy-washy. One minute you'll be this way, one minute you'll be that way. Um, the Taurus, you uh, all, you have lot, you will have pain like in your neck and in your lower back. Um, all right, and uh, the Leo is is he has a lot of pain. He or she has a lot of pain in their back. If you want to claim Leo, a Virgo is a person. This spirit is a criticism spirit. A worrisome spirit, a nervous spirit, you have a lot of back problems and leg problems. Um, this spirit can also be an inferiority spirit. Also, you have stomach issues. So you're dealing with a lot of different spirits. Libra, you're dealing with the spirit of restlessness, confusion, sensitivity, perfection, self-pity. Um, what else? Buttock area is where you will have pain the most. Um, these demons bind your thinking, and they can make you narcissist. Uh, Scorpio is a very strong-willed demon, a stiff neck, um, has lots of problems in the genital area, and um, very stubborn. And this was... Uh, uh, this all I all I wrote down was nine. I I don't know what I did with the paper that had the other three signs. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did with it. I was trying to find it today, and I was like, God, I didn't find the, those those other um, signs. But we did do Aries, Pisces, right? Um, we did Gemini, we did Taurus, we did Leo. Well, Sagittarius, I could tell you, Sagittarius, you have different type of demons. You you also have chronological issues, nervous issues. Um, you're very strange, so you have like an introverted demon. And I think the physical part of your body that causes you a lot of pain is your feet and um, your emotions. And then there was the uh, was one more I cannot remember. I'm sorry, but that that last one I can't remember. But anybody who adapts these uh, zodiac signs, you are accepting these demons that go with them. And and it, and it's not just one. It's not sorry. I was away from my mic. It's not just one demon. It's it's a multitude of demons when you claim these type of astrology signs. So people who are listening to me, who will listen to me, please, you have to, first of all, in order to get rid of these things, you have to repent for accepting these demonic demons over these astrology signs and going against God. And all the scriptures I gave you, you need to go over those scriptures and call out what's in them and repent for that. 
because those all those scriptures I just gave you, the demons are in those scriptures, divination, necrosity, all of that, right? So you have to repent for these things, and you have to seriously repent. Then you have to go down the chronological list and break covenants and break soul ties with them, and you have to break the blood soul ties, the blood covenants. You also have to, to cancel out the spiritual exchange, the spiritual transfer, and the spiritual connection that came in the natural. You have to also close the astrology demonic door that you open to these demons, you also have to cancel our initiation, dedication, doctoration, past oaths, oneness, covenant, um, and also adding nudie covenants because, you know, there's a nudie covenant, um, dance covenant. You know, if you ever see yourself dancing in a dream, that's covenant to Satan, right? So uh, so you have to break these covenants, and you have to do it individually with all of the demons that I just told you that comes for whatever sign you were adopt, adapting plus what's in the scriptures I gave you, right? And so when you repent for these things and break these covenants and these soul ties and ask God to forgive you, then you can cast these wicked, wicked spirits out, and then you can ask God to replace all those spirits with the uh, infernal raging fire of the Holy Spirit to burn out any roots, feathers, irons, any residue, anything, umbilical cords, anything they left behind to burn it out and then allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up where you are now vacant in Yeshua's name, still the blood Yeshua. That's how you get rid of them. You can't just repent, repent and not cast them out. You know, it's just like when you stop wearing weaves and makeup because, you know, the weaves are snakes and the makeup is snakes hanging off the feet. That's the face, whether you want to believe it or not, right? You think, you know, once you repent of that stuff, you throw it away, you're good. No, the marine demons and mermaid demons are still there until you actually cast them out, okay? So um, this is the end of that teaching. Uh, there was something else I wanted to uh, discuss with you. Uh, also, yeah, there's witchcraft jewelry. Uh, you got to be very careful with jewelry that you wear because, you know, a lot of it, like moon jewelry, you know, kind of move rings and move bracelets and move earrings, change your mood. The, uh, upside down Celtic cross jewelry, anything with snakes on it, anything with animals on it, anything with dead saints on it, anything with the cross on it. Um because these things have demons in them. They also use them in their spells against people. Uh, colognes and perfumes by these famous people who are singers and actors, you definitely need not to be wearing their stuff because they all have contracts with the enemy. You cannot go as far as those people do in the secular world and not have a contract with the enemy. Um, you keep you got to keep candles out of your house because there's a wax a demon called, he's a wax demon. When you light these candles, he smells it instantly. And this is why candles melt so fast, because he's eating it, okay? And uh, he will dwell in your house along with other demons. Um, even those airwick candles you stick in your uh, socket, no, <laughs> okay? You need to leave those alone. Those things will attract uh, very strong demons. To your house I mean real strong Burning incense God is not a God of incense anymore That's in the Bible Those would definitely Attract demons There are certain Native aerosols You could buy For your house to spray You could buy them In the um, uh, Botanicas And even in some stores You know, Like it has the Indian on it With the Indian feather Hat and all of that 
those you need to keep out of your house because that will attract demons to you as well. Because I used to use these things. No, I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. You got to watch certain oils. Um, the father told me that essential oils, you have to be careful with certain essential oils, not all of them, but certain ones. So you need to pray and ask him before you buy these things. Um, what else? Soaps. You definitely got to pray about the soaps um, and herbs, like I said. Um, you need not be carrying juju bags or good luck bags, you know, uh, because luck is not of God. Luck is of the enemy. The the word luck is nowhere in the vocabulary of God. It's not even in the Bible. That's of the enemy. We don't have luck. We have blessings. You either have a blessing or you have a curse. It's either or. Like it says in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings come first, the curses come second. It's no such thing as good luck or bad luck. The Lord told me that. That's demonic. So we have to be careful when we be like, good luck to you. No, you saying good you when you saying good luck to somebody or you talking about yourself having luck, you inviting them demons in. It's, it's a demon called bad luck and it's a demon called good luck. <laughs> and I'm going to prove it to you when you gamble. Gambling is not a God. When you gambling, they claim you got to have luck. When you lose, you bad luck. Point. Need I say anything else? <laughs> All right, um, you got to watch certain pictures in your house, like having pictures of people, like, like your family members, that's a different story. But, like, dead family members need not have those pictures up because demons could attach to that because they're dead. God says in the Bible, let the dead be dead. The, the living and, and the dead don't mix, okay? I'm, you know, but that's my grandma. No. Okay, uh, if you ever had anybody cremated and you still got their ashes, Demons are definitely in those ashes because it's dead. Anything that's dead, the, the, the enemy's going to be in it. Whether it's a picture of grandma, you got a urinal with, with grandpa burnt up in it, it don't matter. It don't matter. We're not supposed to have, like, uh, statues in our house, anything. That's in um, the Ten Commandments, the First and Second Commandment. So, you know, pictures, you should really be careful about having People in the pictures, you know, if it's not living family members, animals, certain prints, you know, um, what else? Um, especially those pics and stuff you get from, like, foreign lands, Africa, places like that, those relics you get from Africa with the lady's boobs showing. It's like, you know, a statue, it's a wooden statue, it's a black statue, lady boobs showing, or she might be butt naked, and you, or, or a man butt naked, you know, you those. Uh, those kind of statues you bring in your house, you bring in demons, and you bring in marine demons. We have no need to have statues in our house that's showing boobs. That's Greek stuff. If you go to Greek, you'll see all those idols with the wee-wee showing and the breasts and all that showing. You have no business bringing those type of idols in your house because you're bringing the marine kingdom in there. You're bringing Incubus, Succubus in there. This is, this is why 95% of the world is being dealt with by Incubus and Succubus demons because of fornication. So you gotta be real careful, you know. You got when you go to foreign lands, you gotta be careful of the relics you bring back, because a lot of these foreign lands are under their curse because of the idols. If you go to Indonesia, if you go to Bali, you know, um, you go to um, Dubai, you know, places in India and uh, Philippines and Korea, North Korea, Japan, China. You, I mean, they got idols everywhere. They even got shrines set up in parking lots. Okay. I mean, actual shrines where they leave food and all kinds of stuff there, right? 
Um, and then you go on a vacation and you bringing relics back, you bringing curses back, you bringing demons back. So you got to be really, really careful. You should not have any type of statues in your house whatsoever. Pictures, if you're going to have humans in it, let it be your family. No dead people's pictures in. You, you, you shouldn't have any animal relics or animal uh, uh, statues or pictures. The Bible says in, in the commandments 1 and 2, Thou shalt not have any image or anything to do with above and below, in heaven and above and below the earth and on the earth. Because demons attach to animals physically and materially-wise. Demons attached to any kind of statue because God said in his commandments 1 and 2, Thou shalt not have any idols of anything of heaven or of the earth or under the earth. Why does he say under the earth? Because there's stuff under the earth. There's stuff under the earth. You ain't supposed to have no statues of angels, none of that. No, no picture, no pictures of Jesus. You know, if no one knows what he looks like unless you've seen him in visions like I have and many others. And even if you do know what he looks like, you still shouldn't be having no idols of him and no pictures. It's it's ridiculous. All right, so this was what I wanted to teach about, and I'm just going to give you one more thing. I thought I had it ready. I'm very, very sorry. Okay, here it is. This one, so you got a couple of teachers and one on this one. <laughs> this one is about how to make an altar in your home to God. You say, Apostle Rosalind, why do I need an altar when I'm, my heart is the altar of God? True that. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. Abraham had an altar. He had Abel and Cain make an altar. This is why they had a discrepancy. You know, Abel and Cain, right? And all through the Bible, Solomon, King, the prophet, all had altars, right? And even after Yah came and died for us to shed his blood, many still had altars, right? Why do you think the enemy uses altars? Every time you're dealing with a demon, there is an altar behind that demon because the altar is the strength to the demon. The altar is what Satan Lucifer uses to strengthen the demon. It's the connection of St. Lucifer to the altar that empowers the demon that's servicing it, which is the high priest of the strongman, right? So you have to stop and think, why does Satan have to build an altar, right, to empower his powers in it, to empower the high priest of the strongman, which is the demon you're dealing with? Why do witches have to have altars? Why do they have to have oracles? Why do they have to ha- have sacrificial places, uh, uh, astral altars, tree altars, you name it. Why do they have to do rituals on an altar in order for their enchantment to work? You, you, you never thought about that, did you? Because there's power in altars. You've heard they say the oracle of God. What do you think Satan gets the oracle from? We're oracles of God. We're epistles of God. So what do you think Satan gets that from? Why do you think Satan used tree altars? Because our Messiah died on a tree. His human blood was shed spiritually and physically and naturally for us, but it was shed on a tree. It was shed on a tree. So he uses tree altars. Why do you think he uses sacrificial things? Our Messiah was the sacrificial lamb for us. Okay? So Satan knows the power of these things, but we don't, right? So what is? how do you set up an altar to God? How to make an altar in your home, right? 
Do you have an altar in your home, a place where you always go to spend time with the Lord, a place in which the atmosphere is pregnant with the glory of God, Ed and I, so that all you have to do is sit there in order to feel his presence, or are you all over the place? Are you praying everywhere in the house? I mean, that's okay if you're praying everywhere in the house, but you still should have one particular place that you pray more than others in the house, right? Now, making an altar in your home, is one of the best things, you know, to me, it's one of the best things that I've ever done. It increases your intimacy with God. You could, It could be in your bedroom. It could be in your office. Um, if you want it to be in your basement, <clears throat> it could be in your kitchen, wherever you, wherever you want to spend time at the most, wherever you feel the most comfortable spending time, and, and, and whatever place is the cleanest in your house. Because also, wherever you make your altar, spending the most time with God, it has to be clean. Because God is a clean God. You know, so if you choose your bedroom, the bedroom has to be clean at all times. You can't be having stuff all over the floor, clothes thrown everywhere. You know, if your bathroom is in your bedroom, your bathroom door is open smelling. You know, <laughs> you can't have that. It has to be clean, right? It has to be clean. You know, you can if you choose your bedroom, you can sit on the floor. You get your nice furry rug, sit on that. Get your nice comfy pillow, sit on that. You can sit in a recliner chair, you can sit on your bed, you can lay on your bed, you can be on your knees, you know. Um, you you can sit in a kitchen chair if that's what you choose to do. You can sit by a window and talk to him. You can sit on your bed if it's sitting in front of a window and make that your altar. Or you could just have you like a little table and put your Bible and all your stuff there and you sit there and you you spend time with God right now. Because God will open a portal to heaven in a place that's dedicated to him. See, saints just don't get this. Children, Elohim, God, children just don't get this. God will open up a portal. So if you choose your bedroom, your living room, your office, whatever it is, you're going to choose to pray to God every day. See, God is a structure God. Although you can pray anywhere you want in the house. My whole house is dedicated to the Elohim Godhead. So you can, and I pray all over the house. But my main time with God every day is in a certain area in my house. And I know this because this is the portal of heaven he's going to open. Now, heaven should be, if you're a true child of God, heaven is open over you all the time. Now, there are times that the portal of heaven will open wider than normal for, for certain times of the seasons of the, of the months and the days and, the, and of the year. But if you are a true child of Elohim, you have open heaven over you constantly. And if you're a true prophet, you definitely have it open over you, right? Because you could not move and shake through the atmosphere. You could not change the atmosphere. You know, you could not edify the Lord the way Again, as a prophet, you wouldn't be able to go in and prophesy the way you do if the portal was not hugely open over you as a prophet or a seer. Okay, so now, because God will open a portal to heaven in a place that's dedicated to him, God cares about land. He cares about places. When a place is dedicated to him, you can feel the difference. He will actually open a gateway to and from heaven over that place that you choose to meet him at every morning. And you'll have supernatural encounters with him. And I can tell you from my own experiences, I have many supernatural encounters with God in the place that I choose to to to, to, to be with him in my house every morning. Now, Genesis twenty six sixteen seventeen 17 describes one 
such instance in which a wanderer named Jacob happened to stop at a place that was special to God. He had a radical dream and actually saw people ascending and descending between heaven and earth in that place. Then he saw God himself. God is the prize. He was at the top of Jacob's ladder, okay? And God spoke to him about his future. So why did Jacob get did that? Because Jacob prayed in a special spot that God liked. Now, when Jacob woke up, he said this. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, although there's one big entrance into heaven, and there's a couple of portals to the left of the earth, we ourselves can be gates to heaven because we're created from God. So we are a gate. His candlestick is in us. His fire lights our candlestick. His spirit's in us. Our altars, our, our heart is his altar. So we are gateways to heaven. We are walking gateways. We're walking open heaven. Heaven has to be over us, and it has to be open because we're gateways. Gateways have a way in and a way out. Now, I believe there is an open portal to heaven over my own altar. It may be a small one, but you would not believe how pregnant the atmosphere is when I'm with God. It's saturated with glory, God. And whenever I sit there, even if I'm having the worst day ever, I can feel the presence of my Father and the Ruach and Yeshua ministering to me and their presence at work and powerfully manifesting in my life. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in prayer not feeling so good or feeling sleepy or, or something heavy on my heart. And I come out of that prayer area totally different. I could be crying. I could be sad going through it. By the time I get up out of there, brand new person. <laughs> you know, because having a dedicated altar in a quiet place feeds your spirit need for separation and solitude. Everybody needs time alone with daddy. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert person or an extrovert person. If you're alive and breathing, you need time with your father. Now, Yeshua was huge in taking time alone with Father God. You can see this, especially if you read through the gospel book of Mark. It seems like almost every few verses in that book you read something about Yeshua, Jesus, taking the disciples and going away to the desert place. Yeshua going up to the mountain alone to pray. Yeshua spending all night alone in prayer to God over and over. After ministry work, after a big day, after a lot of excitement, he goes off and he prays. He went and prayed, and the prophet was asleep. He came back. He was like, you can't even stay woke for an hour? Really? And watch my back? You got sleep? Then he came back again, and they sleep again. All right? <laughs> even before he went and got up on the tree, the Calvary, and died for us, he prayed. He said, he begged. He was like, God, let this cup pass, pass me by. God was like, no, boo, I can't do that. You got to shed that blood. You got to do that. And he's like, all right, Daddy, it's your will. Let it be done. You know what I'm saying? And he did it. <laughs> So now, well, if Yeshua Jesus needed time alone with God in a desert place, I think you and I do too. We were made to commune with God. Each of us are a God-shaped person, and only God. And and and, and we 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 are shaped like a like an opening, like a hole that needs to be filled, and only God can fill it. 
with our innermost needs. We can't fill our deepest needs at all with any type of entertainment. Or even with a person. You could be with a person 20 years and still never feel full. Still never feel complete. Why? Because only God can complete you and your emotions, your physical pleasure, your relationships. Only God can truly fulfill you. Some people may think they are fulfilled. Got a good marriage, good husband, you know, whatever, whatever. You're not. You can only be filled by God. You can only be completed by God. Many people leave this earth and they have never been completed by God. Making an altar in your home gives you a dedicated place to separate from the chaos of life and commune face down with Father Adonai, Yahweh. Now, because having an altar in your home helps you develop the daily discipline of spending time with Father, Having a place that is yours, that you love, that is beautiful to you, that is cozy, comfortable, and personal, makes you spend time in it even more with Father. And when you are in the habit of spending time in that place and knowing that that place is the spot you need to spend time with Father God, helps you spend more time with God. If you're comfortable in the place that you've chosen to spend with him and make your altar, you're going to want to spend more time there. You're going to want to stay there because you're comfortable. Like, where I spend time with God, I, I fall asleep in his presence everything, and he lets me fall asleep. After, like, two hours praying, spending time with him or an hour, I fall asleep. And I have visions and wake up, talk to him again. <laughs> That's how comfortable I am. Now, especially if you are a new believer, you need to make an altar in your home. Give yourself every advantage as you're learning to know God and deny Yahweh. Train your body and mind to seek him in your special place every morning. Now, are you ready to do this? But don't know how to start I'm going to tell you Pick a place that's quiet And away from everything else Make it a place where you're not Starting staring at piles of, of clothes Or dishes Or just mess Okay Make it a place where you can hide From your kids If you're mad at your spouse uh, Turn your phones off Put your, your cell phone on mute um, You know Walk away from the computer You know Things like that Clean up, you know, like I just said, because, you know, Elohim God had love cleaning this. Place your Bible and your Bible study material on your altar so you can always find them, you know. Um, keep, you know, you can keep tissue next to you, you know, in case you start crying, because sometimes God make you feel good, you start crying. <laughs> um, you make, where, where, you, where you decide to worship Daddy, Mama Roy and Shua, you make it as beautiful as possible, as beautiful as possible. Pick, like, the best place. And a lot of times the best place is either your your living room, your office, or your bedroom. Bedroom, living room, or office are usually your best places, you know. Or if you have, like, a balcony, you know, um, where I used to live back in the day when I was in school in Virginia, I had this beautiful balcony, and I had this beautiful fireplace, and it, it sat up high where I could Sit on it. It was like marble in front of it. And then I used to go in the prayer closet, in the closet, because I used to think when people say go in your prayer closet, I thought they actually meant a closet. <laughs> I thought that later that's not so. But I, you know, my main place was praying in the closet. But I always played on top of that fireplace. I would get a pillow, get a blanket, or and when it was warm, I would go out on the balcony. Even when it got cold in the winter months, I would dress up, put my coat on, and go out there and talk to him. So see, I had three main altars. And where I am now, I'm, like, all over the house, but I have one main altar. So if you decide to make your living room, your office, or your bedroom, your one main altar, that is the place where you meet him every morning, 
every morning. And then the other places, when you pray in the afternoon, you know, you can pray in one of those other places. And when you pray in the evening, you can go back to your main altar place, or you can pray in one of those other places. It depends, you know. So now, so so matter, so no matter where your altar is, start adding beauty where you can. Maybe you don't have a whole room of your own dedicated as an altar. That's all right. You know, maybe your special place is, is you know, your laundry room, the bathroom, you know, because you may live with people, you know, and that might be the only, only place. I, I talk to God all the time in the bathroom, and I get lots of revelation in the bathroom, you know. I get I get lots of revelation in the bathroom, you know. So it's wherever you're led to to make make it, all right. And, and this is how you're going to get your prayers answered. Now, we have to understand something, that every time we pray, God hears our prayers. And every time we pray, God answers our prayers. The issue is <laughs> the enemy is fighting them, and, and, and he has to have a right. So, you know, if you're praying for something and it's not happening yet, it's one of two things. It's, it's the enemy has a right to, 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 bombard you, to bombard it and stop it, and you have to find out what that root cause is and take it from him, right? Or it is God because it's not yet time for it to be answered. You may have to go through some things. You, you know, you, you may, he's going to deliver you, but, you know, you got to go through some things. You know what I'm saying? And then when people have to start dealing with demons or sickness, right, God, like when Satan goes, uh, St. Lucifer goes to God, accuse you and stuff like that, and God decides your punishment, you know, Satan really doesn't, you know, decide your punishment. God does. Satan just adds to it, you know, because God agrees with it if, 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 if you're deserving of that punishment, right? And before that meeting in the courthouse is over with Satan, Lucifer, and God, and the Messiah because he's our DA, and our angels are there too because they need to know what's going on because they're courtly connected to us, God will tell Lucifer, Satan, okay, she's going to be delivered in almost nine years or almost nine years or seven years or five years or he's going to be delivered to be delivered in two years or three years. So Satan already knows how much time he's going to have to come for you during this period. And during this period, it's going to be your wilderness experience, right? It's going to be your growing and maturing experience. But see, in Satan's mind, he's like, okay, I got three years. I guarantee you, he's saying it to himself, I guarantee you they're not going to make it. They ain't, they ain't going to last for the three years by the time I get through with them. So, see, in his mind, he's like, okay, I got three years to do what I got to do. I got nine years. I got almost nine years. I got eight years, you know, whatever. I got I got this time to do this, you know what I'm saying? And they're not even going to make it to the time by the time I get through with them. So, in his mind, he's like, they're not going to make it. But, see, you got to understand something. If God had deemed you to make it, you will make it. You know, so when Satan leaves the courthouse, he doesn't get to hear what God says. God can add anything he wants to that once Satan's gone. God could just slap that hammer down and say, they will make it. And Satan didn't even hear God say that. So, see, if Satan heard God say that, he would already know he lost. Maybe he wouldn't fight his heart because he knew he would lose. But the fact that he didn't hear God say that, it makes him fight harder. Get it? <laughs> now, 
God's word, the Bible, contains his entire plan for humanity. It contains his entire will spelled out verse by verse. Therefore, if we pray God's word back to him, we are giving him permission to do things on the earth that he has been wanting to do anyway, but had to wait to do it until somebody asked. So when you're on the altar, this is this is actually happening. God is answering your prayer, but it's just not manifested yet because it's not time or the enemy has a root cause and you've got to find out what it is to eliminate it from the enemy. Now, so how do you start praying to God? Word, how do you start praying God's word back to him? You find scriptures, passage that speaks to you. All right? It could be a promise you want to see manifest in your life that God gave you, a prophecy that, that God gave you through a prophet, right? something that describes the way you feel right now, or even a theological passage to which you want to see your heart confirmed. Like I could give you Psalms 50, I mean, excuse me, Psalms 32, 8, talks about the favor and promises of God. So if there's things that's been spoken of your life and haven't yet come to pass, promises haven't come to pass, then you could go to God and speak his word back to him because you can remind him. He doesn't forget by no means. But when you remind him, it kind of speeds things up a little bit. You know, so if you need deliverance or healing, you can always read deliverance and healing passages. If you feel you're not being blessed enough, you can always recite Deuteronomy 28. Um, If you feel something's cursing you, look at the curses in Deuteronomy 8 and go all through all of them and repent for every last one. Even if it doesn't uh, pertain to you, go through every last one of them and repent of all of them. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve, your mother, father, step-parents, adopted parents, ex-godparents, even your past life, you know, and repent for all those curses if you feel your life is cursed. Because our answers is right there in the world. Although it's been tampered with much by the enemy, God's word is still infallible and it's still there, right? So now... If you were praying this passage back to God, which was Psalm 32 a, I'm going to give you an example of how you can say it. You would pray something like this. You would say, Father Adonai Yahweh, in Yeshua Jesus' name, your word says you will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go, and that you will God be with your eye. Please instruct me and teach me today. Show me where to go, what to do, and what to say. I don't know how to handle the things I'll encounter today, and I need your help. Please guide me with your eyes and keep me in your perfect path and will at all times. Thank you, Father Adonai, in Yeshua's name. That's how you would pray. I'll give you something else. Like an example of praying about the way you feel right now. Um, like one of the favorite things I like to pray is Psalms 3.1. Um, you know, I'm not going to quote it to you, but Psalms 3.1 is, you know, it's good to pray when you feel in a certain way. Um, if you're feeling sick, Psalms, I tell people to, to to pray and meditate on Psalms 40 and 41 because, um, what is it, Psalm 40, 41? I think 40 is the, the one that's for healing, right? And then 41 is like if the enemy's coming against you because usually when you get sick, even if you catch a common cold, you know, you catch a common cold because you're out there or you could have caught it from somebody else, but the enemy is behind sickness. God can give you sickness too, but the enemy is behind it. So whenever you get sick, you already know there's an enemy that's behind it. It could be Satan himself or or an individual person, right? So you would pray Psalms 41 against any enemy, right? And you would pray Psalms 40 to heal, ask God to heal you so you can evangelize because you can't evangelize if, if you're sick. You know what I'm saying? Now, Father, how they increase who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. 
Salat. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. You could read that Psalms if you're feeling down, you know, or if the enemies is coming after you real bad. You can read you can read that and meditate on that. At night when you go to bed, if you have a night terror or something's bothering you in the night, you, you can pray Psalms 4. That's the evening Psalms. It talks about the sanctity and the security of God in you and giving you sweet sleep. You can include your family and children in that. Psalms 5, when you wake up in the morning, if you're waking up from terrors and all kinds of things, Psalms 5 is a great Psalms to pray in the morning when you wake up. You can also pray something like this. Father, you see things that are troubling me. It might look like there is no solution in my natural eye. But, Father Yahweh, you are my shield and buckler. You are my defense. You are my advocator, and you're my lawyer and my helper. You also restore me to glory. Save me, Father Adonai Yahweh, out of this thing that I am in. Lift my head up for the enemies trying to place stones upon my head to hold my head down. Remove the stones and lift my head up and restore me to my place of authority. You are my shield and buckler, and I know you will protect me and defend me at all costs. You advocate for me today and tomorrow and yesterday and solve this thing. And I'm going to rest in you, Adonai, Yahweh, Rakadish, Holy Spirit, and Yeshua, and watch you move. Thank you, Father, Adonai, Yahweh, in Yeshua's name. Ephesians 1, verses 17 and 18 contains one of the most beautiful passages we can ever imagine. It's actually something the Apostle Paul was praying for the Ephesians to experience in their lives, that God of our Lord, and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of your glory, of his glory, and of his inheritance to us. So if you're a person that want to know what God has in store for you, what your destiny might be, if you start meditating on Ephesians 1, 17, 18, and you say that to God, he will reveal it to you either through a dream or through a person. Through a person. We have to start using the scriptures more. You know, the scriptures are powerful. Here's another example. Father Yahweh, I thank you that you are my father. I pray that you would give me the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and revelation and discernment of you and the Holy Spirit and Yeshua and Yeshua's name. Open my natural eyes and spiritual eyes. Give me understanding and enlightenment. Fill me with your hope. Help me to walk in your calling on my life. Every single second I'm alive. Help me to know the riches of your glory and my inheritance and my destiny. In Yeshua's name, I thank you that you have made me part of your inheritance, of your kingdom. Help me to walk in the riches and glory of you and to desire you and all of you and what you desire for me in every area of my life. And I thank you, Father Yahweh. In Yeshua Jesus' name. So by praying God's word back to him, you can come into agreement with his predetermined purpose and plans for your life. When you do that, you open the doors for heaven to invade here on the earth. When you pray for God's own will to happen, he can answer your prayers 100% of the time. Do you pray God's word back to him? What is your experience? Let me know.
Let me know. Next time I'll come on come on here. You know, I'm gonna take calls next time I come on here. I'm not gonna take calls today. But when I come on next week, you can let me know. So start finding your altar in your house where you're gonna meet God every morning. Right? And when you have a need or a prayer is not getting answered and you need to find out why, you ha- you, you you pray the scriptures back to God. You recite the scriptures back to God. You meditate on the scriptures. You know, like we know Psalms 91 is our shield and buckler. You know, Psalms 23 helps us get through the valley of the dead, which is this earth. The valley of the dead is this earth. The earth is full of deadness, full of walking walking dead people. They're alive on the earth, but they're dead in the spirit. So God gets us through this. And while we're walking through, he sets the table up and gives us a feast before our enemy. Who is the enemy? The devil. Lucifer saying, God, when you come to God, you get right with God. He starts filling up your table with a feast, y'all. When you get right with God, as you walk through this earth, he adds more and more stuff on your feasting table. This is why when it's all said and done and we back up there with God or on this earth, wherever this feast is going to happen, this is why we're going to have a great feast. You're not just going to get to to have great food and great juice and all this stuff. You're going to get gifts. So while you're on this earth, God has set up a table for you, and he's putting all your feast things on it, and the enemy's looking at it, he's getting pissed, and his teeth is green because <laughs> he wants to come and wipe everything off that table before you leave this earth. So when you leave, you have nothing on the feasting table in the bride chambers the day we officially Make everything official with Yeshua because we are already his bride, but it's like being engaged. And when everything's said and done, you have the bridal feast. It's all said and done. All right? So this is the end of my show. I really appreciate all the listeners who are listening now through the Internet or the phone and all who will listen in the archives on speaker um, and also on Spotify and iHeartRadio soon and uh, YouTube and um uh, Facebook and Tumblr <laughs> and my blogs. I thank you all and I give uh, God the glory for you. And I'm going to p- play my uh, Spotify ad as we are going out. And I will be taking calls next Tuesday when I come on, same time, 7.30 to 9 or 9.30. God bless you all. Have a great week and a happy Sabbath this Friday to Saturday. Shalom. This is not an ad. It's an invitation. Join Minister Rosalind Solomon each week on the new podcast, The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show. She talks about spiritual wellness and other inspirational subjects that will brighten up your day. Hey, and while you're at it, make sure you add her music to your playlist. Inspirational music by Rosalind Solomon and The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show, Food for the Soul. Music and podcast now available on Spotify. Welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show with your host, Apostle Rosalind Solomon. Every Tuesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, come learn the mystery of God and be blessed in Jesus' name.